Good morning, pull up a broom and light a candle. It's time for Witch Eye for the Muggle Guy. And today I have my dear friend Eileen Dolan here with us. Eileen is an intuitive medical massage therapist and energy worker. She has been practicing for 20 years. She is also a poet, currently in her first year of graduate school at the Texas State University's MFA program in creative writing with the focus of poetry. She lives in South Austin with her dog, Pi. Hi, Eileen. I'm so happy you're here. It's great to be here. Thanks for being here. And Eileen and I have been um, collaborating together for many years. Um, I can kind of tell the story of how we met, which is we were at a, in a writing workshop and I heard her read one of her poems aloud. And I, I went up to her after after the workshop and I said, can we be friends? And she's been absolutely my favorite poet ever since. So we're gonna get a chance to hear some of her her work at the end of the show. But I wanted to start by asking the question that I ask everyone, when did you know you were different? Well, it started early as we were discussing early, but earlier, but the most, the event that stands out the most when my family really knew too was when I was 11 we went on a, a summer vacation and um, we were doing a tour of the Midwest and visiting all of our relatives and it was the only vacation we ever took all together my father died when I was really young and so my mother was working all the time and and we took the whole summer off and went and visited all our relatives over the summer the last stop was St. Louis to visit my Aunt Kitty, my father's sister. And uh, she had arranged us to, for us to visit with uh, a distant relative that my mother had met once. And uh, we were driving over there. And uh, my mother made an offhand comment. I was in the back seat behind her and she made an offhand comment I hope I'm going the right way. She had a ghastly sense of direction. Mm -hmm. I hope I'm going the right way. I've never been here before. And I was like, yeah, we have. We've been here before. And they were just looking at me, you know? <laughs> and so I said, yeah, yeah, it's right down there. Keep driving, I'll show you where to turn. And proceeded to lead them to explain what the house looked like and wow. how to turn, where to turn, there it is. and and then proceeded to outline everything that had happened the last time we were there. And they all kept saying, we've never been here. By the time I finished, my whole family was just staring at me with their mouths open. Wow. And everything that I said was going, had happened was actually what was going to happen and did happen. Whoa. And so they were like very respectful kept a big distance from me but if ever I called or if ever I said something like we should call they paid attention wow so they you were really honored for your prophetic sort of knowledge and wisdom at a really early age well it, I didn't speak up too much about it because it was a little overwhelming yeah I didn't know what to believe and what not to I just yeah. thought I was right I knew I was right I had a weird experience when I was about five I uh, that was a prophetic experience. I was just sitting on the couch like watching the news um, in my in my living room with with my family and all of a sudden I just I felt something and I just almost like heard it like it just dropped into my brain 
And I turned to my dad and I said, there's a drunk cowboy coming to the house. And it was the weirdest thing. It just sort of flew out of my mouth. And I thought, as I'm saying it, I even remember thinking, this is so weird. I just said, drunk cowboy. And then like a few seconds later, there was this knock on our door and it was dark out. And my dad went and opened the door and there was a, a, a drunk cowboy there. He, he was, he, you know, he had a big, big hat on and was like slurring his words. And my dad was like, you know, you know, you, no, no, you gotta leave. And, and he closed the door and I just kind of sat on my couch and, um, and, and was really, was really scared of the whole experience that I had, I had just seen what had happened first and that it was so sort of unusual, like a drunk cowboy. And then he got up here. It was, God, it was so weird. And it is weird. It's like the things that come to you, you're like, I was driving to uh, a garden place and had a premonition in my head, a very clear picture of the bag that I was going to buy there. Mm hmm. What difference does that make? I know. Why did I see that? You know? Yeah. Well, I know, right? I, I, the, in the same breath, I'm kind of like, hey, awesome. I'm so psychic. And, you know, and then I'm like, well, but, you know, where do I put meaning in sort of all of these weird experiences? Like, how, how, how do you can contextualize? I, how yeah. do I contextualize it? And, you know, right now, obviously, like my focus is just trying to be as helpful as I can to people who come to see me, like to, to just speak truth to what I can see and hoping with the, the strong intention that it, that it heals them. But I think interestingly, especially with clients who don't have a lot of woo experience and come to see me, and then I kind of see something or go ahead and like reveal what I see they are they get stuck at the level of oh my god how did you know that right. kind of stuff yeah. and I'm like delivery is real important <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so, they don't, but, you, so you don't flip them out yes yeah. <laughs> yes that's one of my uh, and sometimes it's that's the hardest part because you want to relay a sense of urgency because I don't know about you but for me the intensity with which it comes to me and how much I can or can't let go of it. Right. Kind of is an indicator of the seriousness. Right. But you don't get if it's serious physically or serious spiritually. You just have to contextualize it. So, and I always put quid pro quo, you know. Right. This is what I saw. I don't know how it'll apply in your life. That will be up to you. Yeah, and I do. Sometimes I feel a real compulsion. It's like a mm -hmm, compulsion mm -hmm. that I, I know what you mean by the intensity, um, and always, always trying to have the the intention held that it's it is for that person to to be able to use and and how however they need to, however yeah. however it suits them. So that it, it's just more of a practice of um, I talk a lot about getting out of the way just mm -hmm, letting mm -hmm. the energy do the work and, and really staying um, as far away from it as a person, as you know, my, myself, you as open possible. yourself as a channel and let it happen. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's sometimes the hardest part. Yeah. I think that um, is not putting your personal edits into it. Right. Yeah. Just, and, and having the, the trust around that mm -hmm. 
and then kind of holding, holding, holding that space. I was talking with Tara last time about that a little bit, how you just have to get really good at holding space because sometimes it's so awkward to just be like, well, well, and in the context with what you're seeing somebody, you get something out of the blue, obviously relevant, Mm -hmm. but you don't know how. Right. And you can't let it go. So, you know, you have to say something and yeah, it's. Yeah. Because I think part of the old paradigm that I'm trying to move, move past is like the image of this like old, like craggly lady in like the corner (laughs) of like an alley, like you're going to, you know, like run into a, you know, a a, a lady with a blue scarf and then she'll be hit by a car and you're going to watch the whole thing or some, you know, something that's just like, uh, yeah, trying to, trying to get away from that and, and what what feels like the carrying forward of superstition which is just such the the shadow side the shadowing and the sort of the demonizing of um what is a natural talent that um that that we have yeah so okay i want to hear about one of your witchiest experiences Deja vu when I was a kid. I did too. Tons of deja vu. And I still do. Not as much as when I was a little kid, but I would ask my parents and they would be like, that's called deja vu. And I would have it so often. They would just look at me sometimes and be like, I'm having it again. And they'd be like, right on. Well, I'll tell the story about my nephew's first. No, my brother's first child. I was married. I was in Austin. They were in San Antonio. And uh, I went to bed at night talking to my ex. I said, okay, I'm gonna get up in the morning and cut the grass. I like to cut the grass, so I took that over. I said, I'll cut the grass and then I'll drive to San Antonio for the baby's birth. And my ex was looking at me like, they haven't called, you know? And I'm like, well, I know this is gonna happen, you know? Yeah. So I got up in the morning And I did just that. I started cutting the grass and I just felt compelled, which is the word I say, or it it occurs to me, to call my brother. Couldn't get a hold of him on the phone. So I called his mother-in-law and she just laughed. And she says, honey, I'm sure I would know. They -hmm. would call me. Right. Well, so I told my ex, I'm going to finish cutting the grass and take a shower real quick. And then I'm going to go to San Antonio. Because I just, it wasn't if... It just, I was telling him this is what was going to happen. So shortly thereafter, my ex comes out and tells me Kevin's on the phone. And I, that's my brother. And I um, answer the phone and he says, we're in the hospital, blah, blah, blah. And we figured out then when we talked that um, they hadn't called her mother yet because they hadn't actually gotten to the hospital and so he called her first, and then she said, you better call Eileen. <laughs> I finished everything up. I drove to San Antonio. I got there. The whole family was there because it was the first grandkid. You know? mm-hmm. And I got the time of birth. I was off by one minute. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. And... Was everybody impressed? Did you share that? Well, they all... It's that same reaction you were talking about. Yeah. What do you say? <laughs> you know, and they didn't really know how to deal with it at all because they were very, they were 
they're Greek Orthodox,、oh. and so they're very religious. And they、Got、were like,、it. "Yeah, how do you deal with this? How do you respect this?" Right. Yeah. Without thinking, this is witchy. Right. Yeah. And we don't do that. <laughs> exactly. I think we've talked about that a little bit on in a few of the of the past podcasts because so many of us have at least one family member who is sort of deeply entrenched in a religion like、uh, Roman Catholicism. I mean, that's a very God. It's it's such a, a heavy hitting. Um, patriarchal and guilt-inducing, guilt-inducing, and just like ubiquitous.、Yeah. Um, well, my brother, what do you call it when you go to the other religion? Converted.、Oh, He converted. Oh,、uh-huh. and、um, but we were raised as Roman Catholics,、mm-hmm. so I know exactly what you're saying. Right, and I think that、um, the way that a lot of us were able to. Or the parts that we embraced were around the ritual, were around the things that we we kind of remember from other times. I have to say, from a perspective of listening to a lot of different news stories and looking at data and stuff like that, the Catholic religion does give you something. I mean, they have the highest rate of of higher education. People who go on for higher education, male or female,、mm-hmm. and it doesn't matter、uh, what income group, just across the board. And I, there's something about it that makes you think, and I think that allowed me to just go further、mm-hmm. and feel comfortable with it, and just、right. realize, okay, this has served its purpose. I'm moving on. Right. Right. And also, But yeah, the Catholic Church is extremely manipulative. Yeah, it's such a, it's a, and it has、um, so much now attached to it. Just the thought forms around all the, the pedophiles who, who you know, sort of, they're they've taken over the the legacy of that of that religion here in the U.S.、Um, but and it's changed a lot too. When I was growing up. The Catholic Church were the "quote unquote" liberals. They're the ones who were at the protests for the atomic things. They were the、mm-hmm. ones who were concerned about s- services for unwed mothers and for you know the poor and everything、right. like that. But that doesn't seem to be much of the focus right yeah. now. Yeah, I think that there's been such a darkness that's.、Um, That's really en- enveloped it, and with what has been brought to light at the same time,、um, and and yeah, it, it is interesting to think of of it as a really powerful structure. When my mom and I were in New York last year, we went to the Met because they had like a costume gala, and、uh, we were we both love that kind of thing, and. And we went, and we we were looking, and and there are these ornate ornate costumes, and、um, of course they were all the Roman Catholic, owned by the Roman Catholic churches,、mm-hmm. giant gowns, huge headdresses, of course looking like a pointed witch's hat, right, right. all of the jewels you could imagine. I mean the the sort of the crowns, the the staffs or wands, the the、right. rings, and my mom and I. Turned and looked at each other, and we went, 
whoa, okay, now we kind of see what's going on here. Like we see where the appropriation was, you know, exactly what they were sort of appropriating and exactly how, how, how much um, money they had. It was well, incredible. the history of the Catholic Church is appropriating. That's they right. They took the sacred holy holiday of Mithraism and made that. Oh, it's them. Sorry, that was a call from the other side. <laughs> <laughs> um, they, they took the um, the the birthday or the a sacred holiday for Mithraism and made it Jesus's birthday. Mm-hmm. Their history when they conquered an area was to incorporate those local mythologies. Right. And uh, like Chartres is a magic cathedral in France. And it's a, one of the things that's really interesting is that they have um it's dedicated to the Blessed Mother. Well, that was a sacred site for centuries before the Catholic Church was built on it. So it was sacred to the Druids, and before that it was sacred to the, you know, and, and the irony of it being sacred to the Blessed Mother now, the power is palpable when right. you walk in there. Yeah. Is uh, if you had to witch explain something, what would it be? You know, I think it would be a relationship. Thing like uh, with with plants. Mm-hmm. They were put here for us. And we, for them, there's a there's a, a give and take, and and if we honor their naturalness, it helps us, you know, in the medicines and the healing and everything like that. But you can carry that relationship through to everything. Every relationship is always a give and take, and you see that most when you're doing energy work, right? Or when you're getting input that that knowing it is sometimes symbolic when you receive that stuff but it's also sometimes very literal and that relationship is in everything and right now we tend to take things very surface and not further about the inner weavings and um I love that. Yeah, I love the idea of um, that we're really supposed to be in symbiotic relationship Everything's and in a balance. Give and take, yeah. In a balance, yeah. And and just like with clients, every client is a mirror. Mm-hmm. So there's that interweaving there too. So if you're having problems with something, stop and look. Why you're having problems. Why is this a mirror to you? Absolutely. It's a huge gift to be able to do that kind of stuff, to yeah. help people intuitively and in the energy work and everything like that. But at the same time, it's a huge gift for yourself too. That's right. We were talking the other day um, at Calyx where I work 
about braiding and the history and tradition of braiding and how it's it's you know the warrior braiding and the the sisterhood braiding the mother daughter symbology of braiding um, the the witchiness in in braiding and unbraiding mm. and how the the loss of that practice except amongst uh, I know like of, of the more traditional religious sects mm-hmm. um, is something to to think about because the the act of braiding and, and weaving and being able to really have in balance what would we would be consider like the spirit and the earth and the the good and the bad or the light and the dark or however you want to say it is so important now because we've I think in the past we've either been, especially in, in healing work, we've either been pushed to just be a light worker or just be like a shadow worker. Mm. And sometimes a shadow worker or sometimes a light worker. But with the with the new energies, um, you know, something that I'm really passionate about is the this the intention and acknowledgement that we we have both and we need to honor both and we need to know how to work with both. The light defines the dark. The dark defines the light. Without the other one, we wouldn't have. Without the shadow, we wouldn't have the light. And it's <clears throat> it's real obvious in people of power, for as good as they are, they have an equally dark shadow side, Absolutely. equally large shadow side. And they use that. Yes, they do. With their goodness. It, it, it makes their goodness strong. You know, yeah. okay, so let's hear your your beautiful work. I want to hear you read your poem. <clears throat> Today, after the rain, the creek began to sigh around the curve, turning frothy white where impasses were slid past, then lazily circling, pooling, just outside my door. From the curve to the pool, pool to the falls, falls to the bridge. Staring out the window without my glasses on, everything became a blur of green and brown. I can see the motion on the leaves from the raindrops continuing movement. Sky to tree, branch to leaf, leaf to leaf, gone without a thought like breath, or so it seems. How am I to know that water is not conscious of its movement, purposefully inhaling into lakes, river ponds of airwaves, explosively exhaling, sigh-weeping down to the creek outside my door, just to offer me the knowing that I am learning how to breathe every day, every moment anew. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Namaste. Blessings.